From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. everybody welcome to brotherly pod here it is tuesday january 14th 2020 and uh the flyers came back in a wacky game against boston last night they are 24 16 and 6 on the season through 46 games good enough for 54 points they currently are still clinging on to the second wild card spot they are behind the hurricanes and they are uh, just ahead of the Florida Panthers. I believe they a point or two on them uh, as of this recording. So, Brian, what have you seen out of the, the Florida – or the yeah, the Florida Panthers. Let's talk about the Florida Panthers instead. The Philadelphia Flyers, <laughs> uh, since they're, uh, they uh, came back home, they beat the Washington Capitals 3-2. to They lost to Tampa Bay one nothing, and then they obviously beat Boston last night 6-5 to in a wacky shootout game. I'm um, definitely seeing the more fun version of the Flyers so far. I mean, Jesus, the home and road splits with this team are night and day. It's insane when you consider, you know, how much this team has improved on paper, on skill level, on everything. So it's, I mean, it's great to see them performing again here, but, you know, they've got to figure out how to win on the road. You know, good teams that actually do well in the NHL are able to win no matter what. Um, they can't petition the league to do every game at home unless they somehow rock up the standings, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. You know, they're definitely not getting home ice advantage in, you know, if they make the playoffs at any point here. So, you know, they've got they've really got to figure out the road splits here. But I mean, it's great to see, if nothing else, that they're able to fight back. Um, especially, you know, in a game last night where they're down five to two to, you know, one of the best teams in the league in the Boston Bruins, man. Like, you know, normally, you know, this team last year under the Hacksaw regime would have, you know, gone down five to two. This is a 50 percent speed for the remainder of the night. Um, defense is optional. I mean, to be fair, it was optional, apparently, for the first half of last night's game. But, you know. Uh, un- under the previous regime, this is a, you know, probably a seven or eight to two loss. And everybody goes home pissed off instead of just Brad Marchand at this point, which I'm still watching every clip of that Mitch shootout <laughs> attempt. It's every opportunity I can get. If it's possible to have a GIF image of that hung up on my wall so I can see it every morning when I wake up, please send me ideas because that was magical. But no, I mean, it's it's great to see the, you know, the relatively speaking fun version of the Flyers at least back for a little bit. Um, they've got a hell of a test tomorrow against St. Louis. So this is going to be, this is going to be fun to watch uh, down the stretch here. Yeah, it's a tough stretch of games. You know, they came back from California and uh, Arizona and uh, Carolina, and they were <laughs> thoroughly defeated on that road trip. They came back playing a very, very tough schedule here. You know, they obviously Capitals, Tampa, Boston, they play St. Louis tomorrow, Montreal on Thursday. Uh, you know, that just keeps uh, getting rough here as I'm desperately waiting for this page to load. Uh, then they come back L.A., on Saturday the 18th, and then they play at Pittsburgh before the 10-day break for the All-Star game, and then they come back and play Pittsburgh and Colorado in a back-to-back, which that's going to be a motherfucker to get through. But, uh, yeah, this is a very tough part of the schedule, and the fact that they are showing some fight through it is uh, is definitely good, considering what we saw from them on the road trip. 
Yeah, I mean, and they've it's great they're finding their fight now because, like you said, these Pittsburgh and Colorado matchups are they're deadly. I mean, Pittsburgh, no matter what sort of injuries they're sustaining, are somehow finding magical ways to win. I mean, Crosby just now came back tonight, so that's you know, <laughs> you're, they're not ca- they're not catching a break on this for this one uh, next Tuesday. I mean, not like it apparently matters because apparently Pittsburgh can call up Jimmy Coleslaw <laughs> from the ECHL and he'll be a 25 goal scorer for him at this point. You know, kind of a similar deal with the goaltending side. They'll call up some guy they found hanging out outside Primanti Brothers, and he's apparently going to be a new Vesna candidate, which is, hey, I mean, all, <laughs> hey, good for them. I would love some of that luck at this point because it seems like everyone the Flyers are picking up via draft or calls up, call ups or whatever you, ha- whatever you have. It seems like all of them are just kind of destined to be 200 foot tweeners that are maybe going to crack the fourth line at some point. But I mean, you know, like you said, like, this newer core of, you know, Couturier, Konechny, Provorov, Sanheim when he feels like not being a defensive liability and can actually score some points. It's great to see them actually stepping up because, you know, guys like Giroux and JVR are, you know, nowhere to be found at this point in the season, it seems like. I mean, Giroux is still able to chip in a couple of points here or there. Van Riemsdyk may or may not actually be on this team. They might just be sending the equipment manager out in a pad and the JVR mask just to <laughs> you know get somebody out there in the roster spot at this point but yeah this is uh we're in the middle of really finding out what this team is at this point here especially with this this crazy stretch of games here well we'll talk about all that a little later on uh the most important thing today happened the chuck fletcher mid-season press conference uh took place this afternoon and a whole bunch of General manager speak you know not a whole lot of uh, insight on anything one of the bigger things nolan patrick uh, Chuck Fletcher does expect him to play this year, but there is still no timetable for his return. There are 36 games left on the eve of the St. Louis Blues game. So there's no timetable, but there's 36 games left, but they expect him to play. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of it either. Like, uh, I feel like the whole press conference in general kind of raised more questions than it ever really answered. especially with the Nolan Patrick situation, because, you know, he's coming out here and saying that he still expects him to play this year, which, I mean, first and foremost is really great to hear that. I mean, he's, you know, still progressing at least to some extent. He's still able to escape with the team. I mean, all things considered with migraine syndrome, that's an awesome thing to hear. But again, it's, you know, you're expecting him to play again this year, but like you mentioned, there's no real timeline in place here. And with 36 games left in the season, it's, getting kind of tricky to see where he, you know, kind of slides into the lineup because you have to think, you know, I mean, he's cleared to skate at this point. That's one thing. Eventually he has to be cleared for contact, which who knows how long that's going to take. Once he's cleared for contact and he's skating, you know, more of a full-time role with the team again, he's probably going to have to do a conditioning stint with the Phantoms, which who who knows how long it's going to take for him to get down there. And then once he's finally ready to go with the Phantoms, it's then, finding a role for him on the NHL team, which at this point in the season, I don't really want him to start in really any role that is above the fourth line just to be safe and kind of ease him in. And events that we've laid out here for, you know, Patrick's road back to the NHL. So for there to not be a timeline is, you know, concerning to me and it makes me wonder how much they really, how realistic it is that he plays again this year. But 
again, we don't really have much else to go off of at this point other than Chuck Fletcher saying it's going to happen. So we'll see what happens here. Yeah, and I saw a lot of people either, oh, Chuck Fletcher, uh, Nolan Patrick is going to play this season. They go, yay, we desperately need the help. And I go, well, hold on a second. <laughs> Do you think, let's say he's cleared tomorrow and he plays against St. Louis. Like, what are the odds he's in any kind of game shape? You know, what are the odds he's ready yeah. to go and he's going to jump back in and be a a good third line center at this point. Like, dude, it's going to take some time to shake the cobwebs off. Yeah. It's a fierce stretch of hockey. They've got going down the stretch here. Cause I mean, we're, you know, we're over the halfway point of the season here. There's every team we play is, you know, unless you're playing against the Ottawa's, which we're done with at this point, the Detroit's, the, you know, the bottom feeders of the league, unless you're playing them, you're playing stiff competition. That's fighting for a playoff spot. And, you know, do you really want to put somebody in there that's not physically conditioned and ready, ready to go for this? I, it's a terrible idea if you if you ask me. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad they're optimistic. I'm glad they're they're not shutting him down completely. But at the same time, uh, his return is, uh, you know, not super inspiring in my eyes. At least not this year. Uh, if he comes back, you know, next year, maybe with a full summer of a, to get up, you know, skating under his belt in a full training camp, maybe I'll be a little more optimistic. But right now, you know. I just I don't see it really working out. They're running out of time here. Like I said, there's 36 games left, and uh, there's still week to week, and there's no timetable. So I, the numbers don't really seem to work out there. I was never good at math, but the the uh, timelines don't seem to match up in terms of him coming back. If they make a playoff run, well. yeah. If they make a playoff run, maybe. But again, do you want to throw him back in playing the Boston Bruins or the Capitals if they clinch, uh, clinch a wild card spot? Probably not. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will yeah. happily take a Connor Bunneman at that point because at least he's physically conditioned and able to, you know, get at least something done at this point. Yeah, it, not looking good. I don't want to give up hope on the poor kid, but, you know, at the same time, I think it's uh, not really worth putting too much stock in him coming back. Other news today, uh, we'll get back to the press conference in a minute, but this seems more important. Carter Hart tweaked something during practice in his knee. Or his leg, I guess. I guess it wasn't specifically his knee, but I don't know what else you would tweak in your fucking leg rather than your knee. But uh, no word on his uh, condition yet. Elliot was scheduled to start tomorrow in St. Louis anyway. So it doesn't immediately affect them. But if this is anything that keeps him out for any length of time, dear Lord, they're in for quite a run because that means they're going to have to call up Liner Bruby. And sweet Christ, if fucking J.F. Bruby comes up, I'm done with the Flyers. Yeah, this is not going to end well if Carter Hart has to miss an extended period of time because if he's out, I, this puts us in an exact, in a not maybe not necessarily exactly, but eerily similar situation to last year where you're kind of forced to ride Brian Elliott down the stretch for probably way more consecutive starts than his body is really able to handle at this point. And then, you know, say, so say this whole thing gets into motion and, you know, Hart's out for an extended period of time. They ride Elliott for a bunch of consecutive starts. He gets hurt. You're then kind of forced to ride a tandem of, like you said, Alex Lyon and JF Ruby in oh, the NHL, God. which considering how this Flyers team has done defensively recently is horrifying. Um, that's something I don't even want to remotely consider until they at least get the Sanheim Myers pairing broken up because there's no defense on that whatsoever. At this point, they're effectively working with one, you know, NHL caliber pairing and pro Robin Niskanen. But yeah, I mean, getting back to Carter Hart, like this, 
out of all the injuries that have kind of destroyed this team this year, I mean, it's it, it's kind of been the story of the Flyers' year so far. Patrick going down to migraines, Lindblom with his diagnosis, Ghost is out, Braun's out. At, this could be the one that, like, finally just puts this team in the gutter if this really winds up being something nasty. I mean, considering it's, you know, it's being described as he tweaked something, it makes me a little bit more optimistic that it's not going to be a super long-term thing. I just worry about how much time they'd be forced to, you know, make Brian Elliott start before he potentially winds up tweaking something as well. And like you said, right, trying to ride Alex Lyon and JF Ruby at the NHL level is not good. I don't know who the heck they could go and get as like an emergency pickup, but I can't guarantee a ton of success here at this point. You know, after these guys, it's like, I mean, obviously, Felix Sandstrom or Kirill Ustamenko are not ready for the pro up for the NHL level at this point either. Yeah, you just got to keep your fingers crossed and hope that Hart's, if he's going to miss any period of time, it's not going to be extended. And at least it's happening right before the All-Star break. So there is going to be some time for him to kind of, you know, sit back and recuperate a little bit. Yeah. Uh, again, there's no been no word yet. It didn't sound super serious. You know, he's not missing a leg or anything, at least not that we know of. But, uh, you know, it's still one of those things where you can't risk anything with this kid at this point because he's, he's the, uh, the backbone of this team, at least at home anyway, when they're on the road, he's a fucking disaster. But uh, Justin Braun, they gave an update on him. Uh, we're hopeful he has a chance to play for Saturday and a strong chance for Tuesday if he's feeling better. That would be, I assume, this Saturday against L.A. or Tuesday against Pittsburgh. His timeline was originally scheduled for after the All-Star break, so he is a couple weeks ahead of schedule here. Which would be a huge gain back for the Flyers at this point. They are desperately missing Justin Braun. They've been riding the Sanheim Myers pair, which has been a fucking defensive nightmare uh, over the last couple weeks here. So uh, Justin Braun would be a welcome addition back to this club at this point because they're going to need all the help on the blue line they can get. That was probably my by far what I thought was the best part of that press conference is seeing that Braun's going to come back because if that effectively means the end of the Sanheim Myers pairing, I dude, I'm here for it. I'm I'm hoping this past stretch of hockey has been enough to finally convince all of the you know all the Justin Braun haters on social media that okay, he actually does do things here. He actually, you know, is I mean, you think about what he was brought in to do in the first place. Him and Niskanen were brought in to you know, focus on more of the defensive roles so that way Sanheim and Provorov could, you know, do you could really, you know, develop more of their offensive skill sets and they can go off and do their own thing. Especially in Sanheim's case, because clearly his defensive part of the game is still very much a work in progress. And, you know, at this point they've been forced to rely on Phil Myers, who's still trying to figure out how to hang at the NHL level. If you don't see that, I don't know what you what sort of Flyers hockey you've been watching for the past couple of games. But yeah, clearly he's still got some stuff to figure out. He's got all the skill in the world at this point. Like he's he's an excellent skater. He controls the puck pretty, you know, generally pretty well for the most part. He makes some really nice passes. It's just some of the decisions he makes with the puck are extremely questionable. He gets frequently caught out of position in his own end. It's not somebody you want to pair with another, you know, offensive-minded defenseman. Like, that pairing has too much, you know, too much willingness to jump in on the offensive end and not enough real defensive awareness, and that's really shown, especially last night and especially against in the Carolina game when Myers was just getting absolutely cream. I mean, you have to think, like, 
if there's, you know, in an ideal world, like at this, if he's playing this poorly, he's going to probably be the seventh D man. But I know obviously they don't really have the luxury of that right now with both Ghost and Braun out. I mean, not not that putting Shane Gossespierre in his position to try and play a more defensive role is the way to go because obviously he doesn't quite know how to play defense at this point either. But yeah, I mean, Justin Braun coming back and hopefully you know, splitting up the defensive responsibilities a little bit more is, I think it's going to be a blessing. Yeah. They're, they're going to need all the help they can get. Yeah, Phil Myers, just the, the Sanheim Myers duo was a thing for the phantoms and they were very good with the phantoms. And that's what people have said. Well, Daniel, they were good in the AHL. Well, that's great. Fucking it's the AHL. Yeah. Sam Rand and Phil Myers were, looked like fucking Lidstrom and Chelios out there. You know, at the AHL level. So, it's just, I don't know. I think there's a future there for Myers, but he needs somebody defensively sound. Get him a fucking Matt Niskanen to work with, you know, that can that can teach him a thing or two. And, and I don't know. They just, they just have too many of these offensive defensemen that aren't good enough offensively and aren't good enough defensively to make it worth it. You know, Shane Gostisbehere is another one of those players. Travis Sanheim has been, especially last night against Boston, you know, the first couple goals were all his fault. Then he came back and scored two and helped him one. So they just, they have a lot of these, a lot of these offensive defensemen that if they're not scoring goals, they're not necessarily the best in their own zone. And that's rough. And, and Niskanen, we talked about, he's been a huge addition. Braun has been a huge addition. And uh, welcoming him back will be great. It'll be a good move. Hopefully that means that the Sanheim Myers duo is broken up and they put a little more uh, defensive responsibility on that ice because it is just not the best not the best blue line right now. No. Ideally, you think, you know, the defensive responsibilities there would be something that uh, – Something that they may be looking to at the trade deadline here, but I mean, again, looking through some of Fletcher's comments, it didn't seem like the most optimistic as far as, you know, doing a ton at the deadline. I think he mentioned something along the lines of, you know, we don't really see ourselves, you know, making a massive payment for a rental of some kind, which... I mean, first of all, with that comment, it's like no one in particular is really asking you to make a massive payment to get a guy you're going to, you know, part ways with in a few months. That's a Ron Hextall line right there. Exactly. No, that was my exact thought when I first read that was that's the exact same friggin' thing that Ron Hextall said after he got fired. Like the whole like the whole stupid I'm not going to, you know. Give up I'm assets not for trading a, a prospect yeah, I'm not for a 35 year old. Yeah, I'm not trading for a 40 year old guy. Well, guess what, dude? Nobody no asked one you is, to. Yeah, fucking no one is asking you to trade for a 35-year-old. No one's asking the Flyers to make a massive payment. Like we're simply like we're simply pointing out that there's a lack of depth, in, you know, th- there's a lack of defensive depth in, in the roster here. There's a lack of forward depth now that Patrick and Lindblom are out long term. You know, we're asking just to fill some of these friggin' holes because this is where the team's getting picked apart by teams like, you know, like the, the Carolinas, the Bostons, the the good teams in the league essentially. The uh, quotes were, uh, Fletcher on a push for the postseason, we've competed pretty good with the big boys of the East, and it would be a lot of fun to go in and get a shot at somebody, Fletcher on the trade market. We are looking at every situation, and we're looking at the playoffs. There's a lot of growth in our players, so we're not sure we want to push someone out of a spot, but an increase in depth is something we would look at. So, you know, it sounds like he's going to look, the cap situation is going to be tight, but there aren't really any huge... 
uh, names available on the free agent market come the trade deadline. It looks like Tyler Toffoli maybe, you know, <laughs> highlighting that trade class. So it, it's not a yeah. huge market there uh, one way or the other. So, you know, getting a shot at a depth player too I think is important, especially now that these injuries have, have caught up with the team. They could definitely use an NHL caliber bottom six guy, uh, maybe an extra defenseman as an insurance policy here uh, in case somebody like Braun would go down. But, uh, you know – I don't know how likely it is. They've got plenty of assets to work with. You know, they've prospects out the ass. They've got every draft pick except their third rounder this year for the next three years. So the assets are there. Cap space is going to be funky. But at the end of the day, especially if they are in more of a controlled playoff spot than they are now, you know, they're kind of hanging on by a point or two. You know, so I guess we'll see where we are in a month from now, a month and a half, I guess, when the uh, trade deadline happens, see what the potential really is. But for the time being, you know, I would not mind them making some – rental additions uh, in the depth column for the team. No, I mean, I, I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to see what you can get for like a Shane Gostisner, for example. I think, you know, if, if you look at the actual, you know, tradable, desirable pieces on this roster that, you know, you're actually willing to kind of part ways with, it kind of comes down to basically like maybe a Travis Sanheim. Uh, as far as tradable forwards go that you can really part ways with, like really the only one just looking straight up at contracts here, really the only tradable forward that you can maybe part ways with that would get you something that I assume most people would not have a problem going would be maybe like a Michael Roffle or a Scott Lawton. But then again, you're, it all depends on your return because that's still depleting your bottom six. It's like at this point, Shane Gossespierre is your most tradable piece, but he's still hurt. And it all kind of depends on how he plays when he comes back from injury. Cause if he's still is an absolute sieve out there, then no one's going to want him, and we're kind of stuck with him for the next couple of years. You know, you have to wonder if maybe Sandheim's a tradable piece, but at the same time, I feel like this year you're kind of selling low on him. So I don't know. They've they've got their work cut out with them trying to figure out, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate the trade market. It's probably going to be a lot of picks and prospects that's going to be the way to get things done here. So we'll see how Fletcher feels about moving those on because we clearly know that the previous regime was not letting go of those unless there was a gun held at their head. Looking through Twitter here, per Sam Carcitti, Alex Lyon is headed to St. Louis, could serve as Brian Elliott's backup Wednesday. There will be a medical update on Hart tomorrow. Uh-oh. <laughs> eh, not exactly not exactly optimistic. I mean, part of that part of me wonders if that's just like a an emergency thing in case something terrible does happen, but also, you know, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And uh if Alex Lyon is heading to St. Louis tomorrow, this uh it's this doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> More importantly, I have a Phantoms game tomorrow. That means I have to watch JF Ruby again. Jesus Christ. I am sorry. <sighs> oh, my God. I don't know how they're going to create the cap space there. I think they don't even have enough cap for the 700 k that Lions making. Someone's going to have to come down from the NHL roster. I know that. Um, it's one of the AHL maybe, guys. It can't be Stewart. Stewart need to clear waivers, and they don't have time. Stewart has to clear waivers, so I, imagine it's pro- I would imagine it's probably Friedman that goes down. Friedman, Bunneman. I don't know what yeah. they're yeah, in for Stewart, I guess. If Braun's healthy, I guess they could put him in. But yeah. I don't know. Wait and see. That's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. But uh, Alex Lyon and Brian Elliott. Great. Yeah. yeah, boy. Nightmares are made out of. Oh, my goodness. Well, they're going on the road. Uh, let me pull up the Carter Hart home and away splits because they pretty much define the whole thing as a team. <laughs> At home. Carter Hart is 13-2-2 with a 940 save percentage and a 169 goals against. On the road, he is 2-9-1 with a 
with an 850 save percentage and a 401 goals against, which is so, insanity. That's that, that's a Vesna candidate versus an somebody who, backup. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What? How? And that pretty much defines the whole team uh, home and away. They're they're very strong in the Wells Fargo Center away. They they're just can't do a goddamn thing. They can't score, and they just get scored on all game. It's been a very rough transition here from home and away. And it's it's stats that I don't even have an answer for because they're so bipolar, so wildly on the opposite ends of the spectrum that it's hard to sit here and really think of a good excuse why the numbers are so crazy. Hey, yet you sit there and wonder, like, if the age of the team maybe has something to do with it because – what, what do you hear from coaches regarding young players? The one thing they really, really always need to try and develop is their consistency. And my God, the Flyers have been probably the most inconsistent, the most consistently inconsistent team for a friggin' decade at this point. So, you know, you almost wonder if the younger core trying to get its shit together and figure out how to actually string together wins on the road. Maybe, you know, maybe that's just a small part of it. I don't know if I have a much better answer at this point because you know, looking at this team, there's really no excuse that they shouldn't be winning games on the road, especially against like the San Jose's and the Los Angeles and, you know, the bottom feeding teams on the road. There's no reason they shouldn't be blowing them out at this point. It's uh, been ugly on the road. Trying to find uh, some numbers here and just not look like it's happening. So we're... <laughs> Carter Hart's numbers, Yager's career stats. There we go. Don't know what the fuck that has to do with anything. Yager, what is what? Flyers home and away. Hey, get him coming and playing the bottom six. Yeah, fuck. Hell, he's still better than pretty much anybody in the bottom six. Even at he's, he's probably better than Shane Burr at this point. I'll take him back. Yeah. Oh man. Well, we talked about the upcoming game. St. Louis tomorrow, Montreal Thursday, a back to back again. L.A. on Saturday, Pittsburgh on Tuesday before the 10-day break for the All-Star game. They come back. Pittsburgh, Colorado on a back-to-back. Detroit, New Jersey. They catch two games there in that week. Washington, Florida, Islanders, Florida. So these are going to be very interesting games. And they play Florida twice. I mean, that's essentially their main competition right now for the second wildcard spot. So, you know, these are <laughs> – the schedule does lighten up a little bit here after the uh, mm-hmm. the, the All-Star break, which is good because it has been a hell of a month of January. They played pretty much every big team in the league. So, you know, it, it's going to be a stretch. And provide – it's going to be interesting how they play in St. Louis. This is their first road game since Carolina. They've had three pretty decent home games, all things considered. Uh, Boston was not exactly a phenomenal game uh, as far as you know consistency playing well goes, but it'll be a test now to see if they can go on the road, and they're going to play one of the best teams in the league. Maybe, you know, I mean, it's not like this is San Jose. It's not like this is Anaheim. This is a fucking beast of a this team. Is a, this you're, is a powerhouse. You're a this Blues a- fan. You can talk a little more about this, but, like, you know, this is going to be a huge test to see if they can handle themselves on the road. This is going to be a huge test for a number of reasons. I mean, the Blues have offensive depth up and down the lineup. They play a very physical game. I, they're probably going to get Jordan Bennington, who's you know one probably one of the you know in the top ten goalies in the league right now. So they're going to have to figure out a way to solve him, which the Flyers and goal ten- and hot goaltenders have an amazingly terrible history trying to figure that out. Um, it's you know like I said, there's a there's a lot of talent in that lineup. I mean, David Perron's going off right now. Braden Shen's probably going to 
cause a couple of fans nightmares tomorrow. Ryan O'Reilly is what, you know, one of my favorite players to watch in the league at this point. He's, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of guys who are going to be a collective pain in the ass for the Flyers tomorrow. You know, there, there's a reason they, they grinded it out with Boston and won it in seven games. Like this, this is a team that's offensively skilled. They can, you know, they can fire them in from the point. They've got really good goaltending. It, it, it's, it's a stacked team all the way, you know, from the, from the bottom to the top here. It's, you know, it, it's going to be a pretty darn good test to see what this team is made of here. Well, that's not reassuring. <laughs> God damn. I, uh, I, I, I want to sit here and say that Vladimir Tarasenko being out until the playoffs is a good reason that the Flyers can compete with them, but they seem to not really be having much of a problem there. Yeah, Flyers uh, defensively have been a mess. <laughs> the forwards aren't exactly scoring. I've been ranting about that for months at this point uh, in terms of you know their, their production overall. Uh, let's see here. The one thing I will say about the schedule, the one thing I'll say about the schedule is those two games, I think that two-week stretch from like the 10th to probably the 20th in February, I could see that being just as important as, you know, this stretch against the tougher teams right now because they get Florida twice and then they get Columbus twice. You know, I think the eight, the February 18th and the 20th, they get Columbus that's the team that they've got to really put a lot of distance between, you know, themselves and Columbus at this point. I mean, I, I mean, since they Columbus is still technically right on their heels, I think they're more likely to fall back than Florida is just because Corpus Solo is going to be out for a while. But at the same time, like th- this is a prime opportunity to put some space between them and, you know, their competition for the last wild card spot there. And maybe that was the good thing. You know, they got all these tough games out of the way, uh, you know, Florida Islanders, Florida, Tampa, Columbus, Columbus, Winnipeg, San Jose, and then two Rangers games. You know, that's some very winnable games there. Now, granted, for the Flyers, when they play bad teams, it's never a winnable game. But, you know, in theory, this is a very nice part of the schedule coming up, right at the time you want to start stockpiling points, and they're going to need everything they can get at this point because, you know, the, the race for the wild card spot is tight between a couple teams. And they are just far enough away from everybody else, you know, in the first and second spot that that's starting to, you know, seem uh, less and less attainable. They're four points behind the Islanders for third place. They're, uh, what's that, seven points behind the Penguins for second place already. You know, the Penguins are playing their ECHL roster, essentially, and they're still fucking winning games. So that what they're doing is insane. The Hurricanes have 56 points. Three more regulation wins than the Flyers do. Jesus Lord. But um, that's where all those shootout wins are really starting to kind of kill them. I mean, yeah, they're getting points, but they've got to start burying some of these in regulation. Otherwise, you know, that tiebreaker is going to kill them in the end. The Blue Jackets have 52 points right now. 22 wins. They have five less wins than the Hurricanes and only four less points. Jesus Christ. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, over in the Atlantic, the Panthers have 53 points. There's a pretty decent spread there. Sabres and Montreal both at 47 right now. So they've trickled off a little bit here as the uh, season has continued on. So it's essentially between a couple games. And the Flyers just need to keep getting points. You know, they had their stretch. And that was the one thing about the California uh, uh, road trip. You really wanted to see them win those games and pick up those easy points. So that way they could afford a loss here or there against the St. Louis or, or, you know, Tampa, but they didn't get that. And now they are, you know, even further against the wall until they can uh, face some of these easier teams. So schedule is, is starting to calm down once they get out of January. But you know, again, we just talked about it. that's going to be a tall task to get through the rest of this month. 
yeah, if any, if, if the Flyers are known for one thing, it's not making any part of winning this season, making the playoffs. They're not known for making anything easy. You know, I will. I, I I will say that. I mean, the 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 beautiful thing about them losing that West Coast trip is that it doesn't ultimately impact them because I mean they're giving up points to San Jose, who's probably not going anywhere this year. Los Angeles not doing anything. Vegas, Arizona, who cares? They're not. You know, the the only way they meet them again is if they head to the Cup Finals, which again that's a tall order for this team right now with how much inconsistency is plaguing them right now. But I mean. You know they've got they've got some good stretches coming up. I think this is a prime opportunity to finally nut up or shut up with this team to finally get some distance between Florida, Columbus, you know, and maybe try and steal around. I mean, who knows? Yeah, pulling up the uh, free agent twenty twenty, not the Flyers free agents, the NHL. You shitheads. Oh, I'm cool. I'm playing an ad now. Fantastic, compelling radio. Mm-hmm. Go. Okay, now we're just going to take care of it a load. Awesome. Ooh, hello. Alex Petrangelo. I still think he re-signs with St. Louis. As much as I'd love to see him come in, I think he's re-signing there. I don't think they're going to trade him, that's for sure. Oh, no way. No, not not while they have another shot at a, at a cup run. No, he's not going anywhere. Braden Holtby, there we go. Carter Hart and Braden Holtby. We'll never allow a goal again. <laughs> Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins seem to be the two big names there. Got uh, David Clarkson. I fucking have no idea who's still around. Ryan Callahan, Nathan Horton. All these people that haven't played in years are apparently for agents this year. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. yeah. The one guy just looking at the list right now that actually is kind of intriguing to me would be a Mike Hoffman. I mean, he's not going to be cheap. But he's a solid goal scorer. That's that. I think that could be a pretty good pickup if you want to talk about you know this off season. That's another. That's another good you know probably twenty to twenty five ish goal guy that I think could actually you know fit in pretty well on you know your second or third line and actually give you some death scoring. Mike Hoffman currently has eighteen goals and thirty five points. He had a thirty six goal seventy point campaign last year. Seems to be about a twenty five goal scorer on the regular. Uh, on a normal year, so hell, fuck somebody that can score goals. I would take that in a heartbeat with this goddamn team. Yeah, that's man, not a lot of uh, inspiring names around this summer, huh? Good lord. Nope. Yeah. No, no, I mean, and even like the even the trade market, just looking at guys that are really going to be that are you know sort of interesting that'll be moving on probably or potentially at least. I mean, really, the only names that jumped out at you were like an Andreas Athanasiu. I'd love to see him again. That's going to take, you know, that's going to take a decent kind of package to get him to, to get him in a Flyers uniform. Max Domi's apparently having some issues fitting in in Montreal, which shit, he looked good in a Flyers jersey. Um, John Gabriel Pajot, I'd love to, you know, take a run at him since Ottawa's clearly not going anywhere. I can't imagine he's going to want to re-sign for anything substantial. Outside of that, I mean. They don't really have the pieces <laughs> or the cap space good, to make anything happen. Sammy Vatanen, uh, the defenseman in Jersey, maybe on the move. That may be one of their better trade pieces left. Looks like he's a rental. Tyler Toffoli, who has not been able to do much since the Kings have been utter shit. Yeah. So, 
Man. So Foley would be so Foley would be awesome if the Flyers got him, but I mean, since he's kind of the prime candidate this year, they're gonna have to outbid everybody, and the Flyers are in no position to outbid anybody at this point with their cap space problems right now. And according to Chuck Fletcher, it doesn't seem like they're interested in outbidding anybody. So I uh, no, which <sighs> not great, not great, Jim. Tyler DeFoley has 12 goals in 27 points through 46 games. Looks to average to be about a 20-goal scorer, more or less. 45-point guy. So, again, he scores goals. I'd take it. (laughs) He would look pretty darn good on the third line, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, The goal scorer has not exactly been the Flyers' uh, best asset this year. Konechny and Hayes tied with 14. Couturier, Giroux have 13. James Reimbe, uh, James Van Riemsdyk at 12. Lindblom, still, he's missed 16 games. He's 11 goals. <laughs> he's, uh, what, sixth on the team in goal scoring, which is, uh, you know. That, that's just sad to think insane. about, though. Like, yeah, that's insane. Like, if, if nothing happens with his health, like, and he still continues this year, like, what is he up to at this point? He's got to be in the 20s, like. Oh, he'd lead the team by a hefty margin. By a mile, dude. Yeah. Like, uh <sighs> If, if nothing else, we know that he's got the skill to do it. It's just, you know, just got to just he's just got to get his life, you know, just got to get his health in order and hope for the best at that point. Yeah, the defenseman not exactly inspiring. Your top offensive defenseman Shane Gossespierre has twelve points. Phil Myers has fourteen points, which I didn't even know he had that many. And uh, who the fuck's the other one? Ivan Provorov has twenty-four, nine goals and twenty-four points, which. Yeah, decent out of yeah. him considering he's uh making use of his power play time this year travis sanheim seven goals 15 points so yeah no yeah noted guy who hurts his power play ivan Provorov, <sighs> who has oh my god oh i could do a half hour segment on that alone <laughs> oh my god that whole sequence this you know this past off season after he signed that was just if you want to if you want to telltale sign that no one act that somebody doesn't actually watch the games or see how any bit of his how any bit of a player is used example a yeah that's uh <sighs> i fucking hate that kind of shit but listen to flyers ad if you hear me rant about that anthony got into a scuffle with him a couple weeks back and we did a show about it so a couple uh oh we'll leave that off here we're doing so good today <laughs> oh let's see here Giroux has to take a bigger role on the PK, especially on draws. No other strong-sided options for the right circle draws. Well, no shit. Maybe because he should be on the left side! It's, you know, it's it's amazing to me how much they refuse to deploy him on his strong side there. Just They're they, so worried about getting everybody else going that they're sacrificing Claude Giroux, who's one of your only sure things to make it happen. Who's the one constant on the team. <laughs> on the, like, I don't know. I, w- I will say, though, Hayes' power play goal last night looked pretty filthy, and it's like if they can keep feeding him and he can keep scoring, maybe that takes some pressure off Giroux and maybe gets him a little bit more open ice on the power play. Kevin Hayes is the greatest flyer of all time. Oh, I agree. He's it, been, it, it's he's not been even fantastic. At this point. He's been like, fantastic. Bobby Clark has nothing on Kevin Hayes. <laughs> he's got uh, two goals and one assist in his last four games. Doing good. It got a lot of criticism there throughout November. He was like a 15-game pointless streak, whatever the hell it was. 
slow, but pretty much ever since uh, Thanksgiving, he's been he's been a pretty consistent scorer, and that's good news because you know obviously when they brought him in, I always liked his game even when they first brought him in. Uh, you know his two way game was very apparent. He was all over the round the net, um, but he, the points weren't coming. But by Daniel, the goals aren't there, Daniel. Well, fuck off, because James Reams like can't score either. But nobody has a problem with that guy. But but, the, you know, but that contract's gonna suck in a couple of years, Daniel. Like. Well, no shit. That's how every UFA contract works. Yeah. The front half of it's going to be great, and then, yeah, it's going to suck at the end. But this is not a new concept to anybody. And plus, I mean, look at him now. I mean, he's he's scoring, he's scoring goals at a pretty good clip here. He's doing pretty damn well in the penalty kill, all things considered. And to think about what this team would be like had they not gone oh and quote-unquote overpaid for him, if they had not gone for him, like, y- you know that – Giroud would be back probably centering probably the first, maybe the second line. So you're not getting, you know, all you can out of Giroud. It's pretty apparent at this point that you need to have him on the wing to really have him be effective. And, you know, what does that leave? You know, you're trying to desperately force Morgan Frost to work at 3C. Are you putting Roffle or Lawton up at 3C? Like, it's, I don't know. It, it would have been an utter disaster if they had not gone and got him. And honestly, he's been fantastic. He's been Probably my favorite player this year next to Travis Konechny. If they didn't get him and they didn't have Nolan Patrick and it's clear Morgan Frost can't hang yet, like, they'd be so fucked. Like, his, what he brings to the table is so hard to overstate at this point just because he's so – just everything. His play on the ice has been great. The offense is starting to come along. His play off the ice has apparently been uh, – a person off the ice, rather, has apparently been great. So <laughs> he's been – just. It, He's great. He, he used to ref, Daniel. You 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 don't, you don't see that in everybody. He used to ref. He did. It's just man. It's uh, I love Kevin Hayes. I'd, six yeah, months ago, I did not think I'd be saying that, but he he's my favorite flyer of all time at this point. Sorry, Sam Moran, you're injured, so you can't fight around with him at this point. He's running away with it. It's the favorite healthy flyer at the moment. The favorite healthy flyer. The favorite forward. There we go. But uh, yeah, <laughs> fuck. Oh, God. This team. All this Carter Hart nonsense on my timeline right now. Everything's burning, Daniel. Everything's burning. Flyer? What is it? We will see tomorrow what the medical update is with Carter Hart. Elliot was already set to start tomorrow. The Flyers have not gone with the same goalie in this year on both ends of a back-to-back. They was Montreal on Thursday. If Hart is not available, is Evie is a choice to make? Elliot back-to-back or Lion? Oh, God. Uh, ah! <laughs> yeah, El- Elliot, ba- Elliot back-to-back in a at St. Louis and then coming home to Montreal the next night. He did. I, 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 I'm already getting sick just kind of rehearsing that quote. Like... <laughs> This is not. This will not end well if they try to start Elliot back to back in this. Starting Elliot back to back, like he's managed to not get hurt yet. yet. <laughs> I don't think yet. we should uh, <laughs> push the thirty-four-year-old too yeah. hard, especially if Carter Hart's out for any length of time. You know, more than a week or so. Granted, they have the All-Star yeah. game coming up, so they do have that. Uh, that uh, that gap there to in case I think but... that's the one saving grace about this is that it's happening right before the all-star break so if it's if it is a relatively minor thing you would think that's probably enough to get him you know back on the ice for the you know the first game after the break but uh I really hope it's something minor because otherwise we're in a lot of trouble here 
Carter Hart has started 29 games. Elliott has started 17. So, I don't know. Elliott's uh, numbers have not been sharp, super sharp lately. Mainly because he's been thrown to the wolves on the road because they've been trying to protect Carter Hart the best they can from that. A 316 goals against and an 896 save percentage. I don't think those numbers tell entirely the full story of Elliott. I think he's been able to make some big saves uh, when necessary. But again, just a lot of these road games, they've just been getting fucking skewered. And yeah. the whole team has not been there to help him. So I don't think those numbers tell the full story of Brian Elliott. I really do like what I've seen out of him more often than not this year. But he, <laughs> still, you don't really want to run him into the ground right now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's given you a, he's given them a chance to win yes. most of the games that he's starting in, which is really all you can ask for out of a backup goaltender. Like, you're you're generally not going to have two Vesna worthy guys in your tandem. Like, there's only going to be so many Yaroslav Halaks, so many Tomas Greiches, so on and so forth. There's only going to be so many guys who are backups in the NHL that could realistically start on a different team. And as I mean, I mean, like I said, Elliot's giving them a chance to win in the overwhelming majority of the games that he's starting. He's making some pretty damn good saves for him being as old as he is. He's showing a pretty good amount of mobility for the most part. Yeah. It's just, you cannot, you know, you, you cannot pull a, you cannot pull a Dave Haxtell here and expect him to start a string of games back to back to back to back and expect him to hold up. Yeah. It's uh that would not be good because then things again would quickly get out of hand. All of a sudden you have lion and Baruby as your tandem and then if something happens there, then you're playing uh, Sandstrom and Ustminko, who are both struggling in the ECHL. You know, <laughs> not exactly the guys you want, uh, you know, starting against the fucking Tampa Bay Lightning or something like that. You know, that could not the best. So hopefully it's a, qu- yeah. it's a quick and easy way to get into tank for Lafreniere mode, which <laughs> would be impressive at this point. Yeah. Hopefully it's not long term. I just, yes. uh, it's, it doesn't sound dire, but the fact that, they're calling up a lie and doesn't sound like it's nothing either. So Right. I don't know. Well, Where's that quote on Joel Farabee? Because I want to rant about that. Liar. You, you, mean, you mean you don't like Joel Farabee trying to be an enforcer and oh, getting 9 God. to 10 minutes a night? Fletcher on like, the overall improvement. Oh, that's the club. Where the hell's the fucking goddamn... There it is. Fletcher on the impact of Joel Farabee. He's one of our best forwards in puck management and game management. He's a pretty important player on our team, and I think his game is growing, and he's very strong mentally. That's nice and all, and that's nice we can sit here and sing kumbaya about Joel Farabee getting better, but he's your fourth-line winger playing about nine to ten minutes a night lately, pretty much ever since they came back from Christmas. And... He's out there essentially taking the role of the enforcer. Your 19-year-old, 160-pound kid is the enforcer while your veteran, Chris Stewart, is sitting on the bench. Who's brought in specifically to punch people in the face. Probably not the best thing right now. It's, I, like, I understand, I, I've always... I generally support keeping him with the NHL roster just because I don't think there's really a ton more that he'd really learn from being in the, in the AHL. It's, it's kind of how I feel about Myers in the same aspect. Like, yeah, they're not really doing a ton to help out right now, but they're not really going to learn a ton from being in the AHL. But, but if you look at their deployment right now, like Joel Farabee getting nine to 10 minutes a night to be the enforcer here when you know, you drafted him to basically be an offensive cornerstone going forward for this team. Like, this isn't going to help him. This is one of those, I mean, he's not going to learn anything, but you may as well 
send him down to help him just kind of beat down on some AHL talent before coming back up and trying to be that guy again in the NHL. You know, it's it, it's it's really not worth it to only give him, you know, nine to ten minutes a night to play with, you know, Tyler Pitlick, Connor Bunneman, or whoever else they're going to rotate on the 4C carousel in and out every single night. You know, I – like I said, I like keeping him with the team, but if they're going to play him nine to ten minutes a night to basically punch people and get suspended, it's it's not worth it at that point. I think like, in a perfect I, world he'd be with the Phantoms. I, 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 yes, I, ideally, Myers yeah. is a different case because Myers was down there forever, and I'm at I'm at a vast majority of Phantoms home games, and Myers is a guy that's too good for the AHL, but not quite good enough for the NHL. He goes down there and he's just head and shoulders above everybody. Yeah. Faraby was down there for a couple games. He was great at the time. You know, he had all that piss and vigor when he got sent down originally, and, and you know, he's kind of lost at the NHL since. I don't hate his play with the Flyers. I think he, he his passing is superb. He really is a mm-hmm. good player. But I don't think – well, and granted, the team around him, especially in the goal-scoring category, just fucking can't help him out either, which is a big problem. He But – I don't know. I really, I think he's on the verge of something great. You know, he is so much better than Frost in that sense. You know, Frost was clearly lost, you know, more often than not. And whereas Farabee doesn't seem like that. But at the same time, he's on the fourth line punching people. Like, you don't want that from your 19-year-old who's supposed to be your superstar in a couple of years. You know? Yeah, his game, his game management isn't all that great when he's knocking somebody on their head and getting suspended for it. But, yeah. I mean... Granted, that's, granted, that is in a very isolated incident at this point, but uh, that's just kind of interesting given what happened last month. Yeah, it, I don't know. I don't think they're sending him down, mainly because they don't have anybody else to take that spot unless you're going to replace no. him with Kasha or Torinsky or something. And at that point, I think the fans would have a full-on fucking riot. Cause it, oh, God. It, especially at this point in the year. They need all hands on deck, at least whatever yeah. they can manage at this point with all the injuries and such. So in a perfect world, he'd still be with the Phantoms. But reality is they're just going to kind of need to work through this shit together and, and yeah. you know, hopefully breaks out of it and he starts kind of – the pieces start to click because, like I said, I've seen a lot of good things out of him. His passing is great. I really do like his play. I, I think they're onto something there with, you know, his game management. But again, he's just not in the right role at this point. If anybody else on the team could break out and start putting some pucks in the fucking back of the net, which has been a tall task for anybody this year, this would be a totally different story. But for the time being, uh, I just wish they would kind of use him in a better role. But I really do like Joel Farabee. Oh, no, I think I I agree that he's that, you know, he's going to be a pivotal piece of this team going forward. You know, once he gets his offensive game going, he's going to be great. I mean, he's he's already got that fire going where, you know, it's something that this team has lacked for a while, where if somebody takes a bad hit from someone on the other team that, you know, he's he's set up as the guy that's going to basically step in and, you know, you know, basically kind of like sort of play an enforcer role. He's going to be the guy that, you know, provides that heart, that physicality, that don't fucking do this again or I'm going to destroy you sort of mentality, which the Flyers really haven't had out of anybody. You know, it's just interesting that it's, you know, Farabee doing it instead of, you know, anybody else who's already been in the league for five, six, seven, whatever it is, years. Like, I don't know. Maybe once, he, once his offensive game gets going, if he keeps up that physical snarl, I think he's going to be an awesome addition to the team. It's just a matter of, you know, kind of getting through the suck at this point and actually developing his skills. There was a scrum last night that Farabee and Tory Crew got involved, then Marchand and Albert yep. Kubel got involved, and is like, it's not bad. Like, I'm glad he has the heart. Like, I'm glad somebody on this mm-hmm. fucking team can stand up for somebody. But, like, 
at the same time, it's just, does it really have to be your 19 year old that's doing this? I don't know. It just seems odd, but it, it does. Hey, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big reason I've taken the Nick all day Kubel recently. Yes. Like he's been, he, he, I mean, he may not wind up being much more than a bottom sixer in the, in the NHL full time, but shit, man, he's got, he's got some decent speed. He plays physical. He's willing to get in there and fight. He's willing to get in there, and not just fight for the puck, but fight other people like you know he he's been a very nice well addition you know since he got called up i've really enjoyed watching him you know he, he kind of reminded me of you know brian hartman's first like two games when he was a flyer last year right after they got him for wayne simmons when you know first came out there he goes out there and destroys rosmus dalene which was amazing you know he's he's brought that physicality that you know i think the team's really lacked recently and it's you know it's it, it's been a pleasure watching him lately i hope he does great things in the bottom six at some point i'll make cabell was a guy that I was very worried when they brought him up because he was not having a great season at the Phantoms. Yeah. And they brought him up, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. You know, somebody else that the fans can tear apart. But, I mean, he's been probably the most consistent player in terms of energy since his call-up. I believe there was one California game where he didn't look great. But, I mean, more often than not, he's the one that that's in kind of doing that. So I think that's kind of his peak. I've always kind of described him as a Michael Roffle-esque player where he may not be – a high-scoring player. I don't think he's going to be the guy, but he's a good, safe pair of hands to have out there. He's not going to make too many mistakes, and he's a good energy guy. So he was very the opposite of Robiev in that sense, because Robiev is a guy who looks great in the AHL and then comes up and looks like a fucking shell of a human being. And Abi Kubel was bad down there. He comes up and he looks great. So, you know, some <laughs> NHL columns don't always go as planned, but I, I'm glad Abi Kubel's here. I think, I think he's earned a spot to stay. Uh, you know, they, obviously, again, they don't have a whole lot of other options out there than Abe Kubel. Um, so uh, he's not still in the power play, which is a little odd. But strange, but yeah. I mean, it's not like the entire power play isn't doing anything to begin with. So yeah, <laughs> there's more to complain about on the power play than Abe Kubel being there. But and again, and again, nobody else is scoring goals that he's taking a spot away from. So. Hopefully it works out in time in that one. I think Albi Cabell, his contract's up at the end of the year, which is another thing. You know, the three big names you wanted, or the three big names that needed contracts going into this summer would have been Lindblom, Myers, and Patrick. Well, two of those guys are out, and the other one isn't transferring to the NHL as good as we thought he was. So now Albi Cabell's kind of the guy that, you know, I don't think he's going to have a big contract, but I think he should be uh, high on the priority list in terms of bringing it back for at least another couple of years to see what he has. Yeah, I mean, you have to think. I mean, Patrick's probably not going to get a ton for his next contract. You think he's probably going to, you know, he's going to more than likely be, you know, a one or two year prove it deal that, you know, the, the the usual bridge. I, you know, Lindblom, I imagine, will get a decent bump kind of considering how good he was playing before his diagnosis and everything. Myers, again, I, to me, Myers is another. You know, I, I, I don't like the idea of putting a ton of guys on bridge contracts, but I mean, he's just not sticking nearly as well as, you know, you, you, a lot of us hoped he would this year. So, I mean, again, I, he almost seems like another really good candidate for like an, another really good candidate for that, you know, that sort of bridge contract. At this point, it feels like it almost feels like Abe Kubel and Robert Haig are, Interestingly enough, the most likely guys that they would, you know, solidly bring back and like kind of depend more on, which Flyer Twitter is going to love when they re-sign Robert Haig to something. The uh, names this summer, Pitlick, Stewart, Abe Kubel, Braun, Haig, Friedman, Myers, and Elliott are the ones along with Patrick and Lindblom who are on 
uh, long-term IR at the moment. So, you know, Vorobiev as well is one of them, in case anybody was curious about that. Uh, I, if they're going to do anything, anything, literally anything at the deadline, I feel like a smart move would be to get literally anything you possibly could for Mikhail Vorobiev, even if it's like a seventh-round pick. Because I don't see any way in hell that they bring him back for another contract. And I don't see really much of any sort of team in the league trying to take a chance on him if no one else is going to make the move to try and re-sign him after this year. I have a feeling he's darting for the KHL. I will, I, I'd be willing to put money that he is. Yeah, I'd be willing to put money on him being KHL bound after this year because he's just not making it work in the NHL at this point. Line and Berube are both up as well. Thank the fucking Lord above. <laughs> Time to throw Sandstrom and Ustamenko to the fire in the AHL. I don't care what anybody says. I I'm, uh, I know they both haven't. They both been getting better lately, but I know they started uh, uh, rather rough in the ECHL. I had to pull up their numbers here in a minute, but yeah, if I'm I, I'm following the Royals. Sandstrom had a pretty rough go of it to get going. I mean, I think both of them really did. I think they, I think the Royals kind of defensively struggled there for a while. I haven't followed them as much as I originally wanted to, which is kind of sad considering I'm like from Reading, but we'll ignore that for now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely taking their licks down in the ECHL, but I mean, it's got, it, it's got to happen for everybody sooner or later. Are these all just forwards? Oh, there's a goalie tab. No wonder I can't find them. Usminko, 27, uh, 24 games played rather, 13 wins, uh, 271 goals against and a 906 save percentage. Uh, Felix Sandstrom, 15 games played, six wins, a 378 goals against, and an 877 save percentage. So, nothing too phenomenal there. He's, he's figuring it out. We'll say that. <laughs> he's figuring it out, which I thought for sure Sandstrom would be the more guaranteed of the two because Usmenko would be the one coming from the KHL. You know, it'd be more to figure out there, but right. I don't know. We'll see what uh, see if they bring in. I, I my guess is they bring another veteran in in the off season for the phantoms and put one of the two in the AC, uh, the, uh, AHL rather. And then in the season after that, it'll be Sonstrom, Usmenko in the AC or in the a what ACHL, the fucking <laughs> AHL. What am I doing, Daniel? I'm having a stroke over here. Jesus. But yeah, uh, be, be curious to see who they, what they try and do for a backup since Elliot's up next year. And I can't imagine they, I can't imagine they take another run on him. I mean, not not saying that Elliot's been really bad this year or anything, but like yeah, you have to wonder if they maybe explore a different option considering he's not getting any younger. Uh, we do not really. Uh, hang on, I gotta find it again. Jesus Lord, making you work on this one. I know. <sighs> making the Wi-Fi work on this one is what's really going on here. Positions, goaltender, go. Let's see who is available this year. Brayden Holtby, Craig Crawford, Jimmy Howard, Robin Lanier. Like, give me Robin Lanier immediately. Craig Anderson, yeah. Markstrom, Grice, Cam Talbot, Halak, uh, Hudobin. So there are some interesting names as far as backups go this year that they could uh, really use. I, I think that should be maybe not high on their priority list, but I don't think it's something they can go untouched again. I, I think yeah, they, we're starting yeah, to Yeah, they see, really can't like, ignore it. We saw it last year with the mistakes, and now, again, if, uh, we don't know much about the heart situation yet, but if this is long-term and you're stuck with Elliot and Lyon, like, all of a sudden you're back, you know, eating shit again. So I, I think that should be something that should be uh, addressed with a legitimate backup in the offseason this year. Yeah, Sam, I'm pretty sure even Cal Pickard's got a job this time of year, so uh, 
yeah, we're kind of grasping for straws if they can't figure out somebody else in the organization. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Cal Pickard is uh, getting lit up in the Red Wings every night, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. What's he doing this year? Probably not Holy much. I'm going to bet. shit. Two games played, a 532 goals against, and an 818 save percentage. Good lord. Is that bad? That's that's uh that's uh fucking atrocious actually. Whoa! Jesus Christ! That uh, at, at at that point you I, at that point I feel like you've just got to hang it up and Good I don't know Lord. find go be a coach somewhere because Jesus Christ! Like if you're if you're getting if you're getting called on to be an emergency and that's what you're providing like uh, I, I I think that's the universe's way of saying it's time to either explore a new league or go be a coach somewhere because good god the last time he had a save percentage higher than 900 was 1617 oh my god he played one game in toronto in seventeen eighteen with a 383 goals against and an 857 save percentage his flyers tenure was 11 games with a 401 goals against and an 863 save percentage. You played in Arizona after the Flyers last year with a 361 goals against and an 892 save percentage. And this year in Detroit with a 532 and 818. Holy shit balls! What a disaster! Yikes! Okay. <laughs> Jesus! Wow! Yeah, but the backup goaltender role is something that should be addressed. Uh, because uh, again, I think especially if Hart's out for a long period of time, we'll uh, we'll find out pretty quick that they need him, that they need some help back there. And I don't think uh, Ustmenko and Sonstrom are quite as ready as anybody thought they were. So, we'll wait and see on Yeah. Well, I already talked about the upcoming games. I'll be back tomorrow night against St. Louis. Lord help us all. I do not have a good feeling about that one. And then Thursday, Montreal. Uh, Jim and I will be back Thursday night with an Angry Negative show. Uh, there will be the post-game for the Montreal, which uh, hopefully some angry things happen in that game so we can be good and angry. Man, we did a post-game last night against Boston, and we were so ready. Like, halfway through the game, we were t- messaging each other going, like, are you ready? Tear apart? I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and then they came back and won and ruined my mood, so... Well, uh, hopefully they're a little more... Well, I guess I want them to win, but I want to yell! God damn it. <sighs> but anyway, the Flyers we're... defense will help you in every aspect Fuck. there, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, give me five minutes to Travis Santa on the ice. I'm sure I'll find something to yell about. But <laughs> that's it, everybody. We'll be back Thursday uh, at yeah, the Flyer Fan at Brotherly Puck at Brotherly underscore pod. Be sure to check out the Angry Negative show and subscribe to all of our new channels. All the links are on the Twitter page at Angry Negative to check all that shit out as well. Brian, where can people find you on Twitter? You find me on Twitter at WX underscore Adams. It's shorthand for weather. I do weather things. I don't tweet about weather things. I mostly yell about hockey, so get used to it. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's what we all do these days because there's plenty to fucking yell about. All right, everybody, that's it. We'll be back Thursday night. New co-hosts coming on in the next couple weeks here. Made the announcement today. I've been scouting some talent. Here, Manny and Steve will be joining BBW Radio. That The first episode uh, will happen on the 28th. Uh, Shane Mead will be the new Brotherly Pod co-host. That episode will happen on the 22nd. And Nick 
uh, Costa, who's been a frequent guest on Angry Negative, will be uh, joining both Angry Negative and Brotherly Pod based on scheduling for the week. So be sure to check that out, everybody. Uh, until then, till Thursday, uh, goodbye and good night. <laughs>